You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Go to LinkSoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to NestBedding.com. From baseball's top personalities. The Hall of Famer, one of the great TV broadcasters, Bob Costas is here on A's Cast Live. To the A's legendary players. Five-time Major League Baseball home run champ, Mark McGuire is with us here. You never know what stories you're going to hear. We used to come out here to lunch and run with our shirts off. (laughs) (laughs) You would say. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Time now for a special edition of A's Unfiltered from the winter meetings in Nashville. We've played a lot of the former players and former A's. This is the media edition. As we got our old buddy, the former GM, Dan O'Dowd, on the program. One of my all-time favorite hosts, Brian Kenny from MLB Now and MLB Network. And super A's fan and one of the most talented broadcasters in our business from MLB Network, Matt Vaskersian. We'll start with Dan O'Dowd. It's always great to hook up with Dan, one of the smartest guys in our game, as he's been around some of the best front offices of all time. The guy got the Colorado Rockies to the World Series, for God's sakes, as the general manager of the Rockies. Here is Dan O'Dowd. There he is. My man, Dan O'Dowd, former general manager, and by, by the way, phenomenal on television i got one former guy that likes me <laughs> right here yeah i'm your guy <laughs> i'm your guy I am you are my guy. guy you're the only guy that likes me so I, I love coming on your show i feel my ego feels better when i leave your show well i gotta tell you this recently watching you standing up for st- starting pitching it has gotten ridiculous the people who are it's like watching our games watching no one give you innings it, it's i'm glad lately you've been standing up for it because it's it's we're getting so ridiculous with bullpens; it's unbelievable. Yeah, but it's—I mean—it's not a fix. That's just at the big league level. It's—you uh, got to start at the foundational part of our game. The whole incentive system in our game changed. Believe it or not, I'm going to go back so far. It started with the advent of the radar gun, so that's how far it went back. Because I believe scouts, you know, and colleges and evaluators throughout our game, you know, just took guys that threw hard. And so yeah. now it's just matriculated to the point because technology's gotten better, where we can measure so much in our game. But what we value doesn't have any sustainability within our game. So a kid gets a college scholarship anymore based upon arm strength, not based upon feel, not based upon athleticism, not based upon his ability to manipulate the baseball, command and control, low walks, you know, marginal strikeouts, pitching to contact. He does, those kind of kids don't get recruited by Power 5 conferences. The only kids that get recruited to Power 5 conferences are guys that have velocity, arm strength. And so fundamentally, that's what comes into the entry part of our game, even at the youth level, if you go to travel ball organizations and youth level. So the whole paradigm needs to change, but it needs to start at the major league level where we begin to value guys that have a field to pitch, have a really good delivery, they're really good athletes, they pitch to contact, they work quick. The art of pitching that existed in our game not too many years ago, we've got to get that back. Because I can tell you, it's the only thing that's going to have sustained health. The amount of money we spent on the DL or the IL this past two years has just been astronomical. Let's it's go. not sustainable. I'm ready to go old school with you because I used to work for the Raiders. 
it reminds me of Al Davis. Al Davis cared about your 40 time. He cared about speed. It wasn't, can he play? I mean, Jim Plunkett, I've had dinners with him where he talked about you guys. We'd have guys come in. They were track stars. They didn't know how to run routes. They couldn't catch balls. Al didn't care. He wanted speed. It's the same. It's like, it's find me, find me the velocity or find me the speed, and I'll teach it. And the reality is harder to do than you think. Well, it is. And like the Guardians have done a great job taking guys that in college in particular that didn't have a plus fastball that now do, but, but because they had a feel like a – the Biebers of the world, they yeah. had a feel with the added velocity, they become elite. So they've done a, they kind of unlock that a little bit. And a lot of, but not many teams has followed suit like that because velocity does win. I, I'm telling you, I get it. It's just that it's not, it's not a good product to watch for the most part. And health-wise, it's just not sustainable. You cannot be a max effort pitcher in our game and have any sustainable health. And we need to start thinking about our players' health too in the big picture. All right, I'm really going to butter you up now. All right, you ready? Uh, I didn't trust anybody because right now we have to kind of we have a lot of stuff going on with the A's and with everything going on with Vegas and the move to Vegas and our fan base is really unhappy. I haven't asked anybody this question because I, I don't trust a lot of people. I trust you with it because I think you understand it. You understand what it's like to deal with dysfunction. You understand what it's like when a new ballpark is on the horizon, yeah. how to start building. I, I want you to get into David Four's shoes. And, and, and from your perspective as someone who did this at such a high level for so long, how are you feeling for David and what do you think he's going through right now as he's sitting here trying to make moves or at least set up something, pave the way to make moves later on? Yeah, I think you and I talked about this during the season last year. And, I mean, I've gone through some major rebuilding jobs. But there was always light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, the thing that always blew me away by the job that Billy and David had done for so many years is knowing that the stadium issue had this dark cloud hanging over their head. And, they, you know, there's so many ups and downs emotionally attached to that. Like in Cleveland, to give you an example, when we went through that massive rebuild in the 90s, we knew that Jacobs Field was coming in 1994. So the pain of all of those losses in 89, 90, 91, 92, 93 – but we saw light at the end of the tunnel, and we could see the talent we were collecting. I can't imagine what it'd be like showing up every single day with that pressure on you, but no light at the end of the tunnel. That would have been emotionally really hard because, I mean, all the people that do these jobs, they're competitive people. And even if you're realistic about your opportunities to win, it doesn't make the losses any less painful. And the disappointments of you know, a deal that doesn't work out or a player you draft that doesn't get over the hump at the big league level. It just takes an emotional toll on you over a period of time, and it's it's really hard to, to maintain any kind of optimism about the future. This is, these are really, really hard jobs. And I so I, I really feel for what David's trying to do. I think David's personality um, has a better chance to handling it than maybe mine's did or even Billy's did because I think we are wired a little bit tighter. I think David's got a way of putting things in perspective exceptionally well, and I think that behooves him to be able to survive this period of time and start to see all the good things that are happening in the AIDS organization, because I think there are. It's just you don't necessarily see it just yet at the big league level. Yeah, and when you preach patience, it's one thing patience for a year, two years. 2028 is a long way away. It is, and, um, and it's hard because you have, like I call them, waves of opportunities to win. And so you go through a rebuild and then a wave comes of players and you want it to time it to where it hits 
to where the pitching and the hitting somewhat, you never match it up perfectly, but it creates this opportunity for winning. And yet, like, where are they going to be at? What is their payroll that they can be supported with the club? If they're good young players, can they sign them long-term to have some kind of sustainability? Or do you have to turn it again and again? I can tell you the hardest job for a general manager in a game is not the first rebuild. It's the second rebuild. You use so much of your your institutional energy and your passion for the game going into a rebuild. Man, it's to do it a second time, I think it's almost impossible. I think you need to move on at that point in time because you just, you know, you're worn out from doing it the first time. You give everything you got. Everything you got. And you're, and you're like, I, I can't do this. And again. then you get it, and you, you really start to see all the fruits of your labor and then look at it and go, oh, my God, you know, I've got to do this all over again. I told um, Dayton Moore after Kansas City won, and they were about to go through a, a rebuild. Um, I said, because we had to do this in Colorado. So when we got to the World Series in 07, we still had a pretty good run. We didn't play well in 08. We were really good in 09. Just ran into an incredible Phillies team in the playoffs. But I knew, like, uh-oh. And so in my mind, I should have left the Rockies in 10. Like, that should have been my parachute year. But Kelly McGregor passed away. There were a lot of factors that I ended up staying there. But I wasn't the same. I was a little smarter and as it relates to what I focused on, and I saw things that I didn't see when I was younger. But I wasn't – I didn't have that same – it factor I did through the first rebuild because it's just hard, man. It's just really, really, really hard. So I sympathize with what David's trying to go through now. And I can tell you, as good a team as he has around him, when you're the top guy, it's the loneliest place in the world. <laughs> I mean, you're the one that at the end of the day has to you know, answer to everybody. And a lot of times people want you to provide answers and you don't even know yourself. Yeah. Like he doesn't know truly what's happening with the ballpark situation he probably doesn't even know his own personal situation as it relates to you know the whole move and everything else and it's just it takes a really strong individual mentally and somebody with tremendous character and integrity to show up every day and grind it out and do the very best he can do under those conditions yeah i think we're really lucky to have david i think Forrest. you do you I, really are you know and, and it was it's kind of like what we saw earlier today with aaron boone where aaron boone does a press conference and there's, it's the biggest crowd, right? Yep, of all right, over, the, right over here. Right yeah. over here, right? And then he gets done, and then they mob him again. So he's got to do a post-post-press conference. And our buddy Johnny Gomes, long time yep. A. So Johnny and I are sitting here, and I'm like, Johnny, that job would suck. Because here's a guy that just did, answered all the questions. Has to answer them again. And now he's Because everybody go wants their own personal question. And, and I'm like, and, and I think about if, whether it's a job like that or like what David's doing. I mean, not everybody's cut out to do those jobs. It takes, it yeah, takes it really certain does. special I people think to do people the people don't realize that uh, it's just you never have a day off mentally. One, from Booney's case, I mean, when you're a leader, you're a leader every single day. You just, you don't lead when you want to lead. You have to lead all the time. So you always have to be on. In David's case, every day that he wakes up, he's dealing with another set of problems that he's got to solve, and he's got to solve it in a way that moves the organization even incrementally forward just a little bit. You know, I, I think about these meetings, and right now everybody's bummed out because it's slow. I think of last year when the shortstops short went quick, yeah. and I'll wait for Judge. But the one thing from a front office standpoint, especially I think from like a marketing standpoint, you do love if you're one of the teams that come to buy. You do love to have something because of what we saw, especially with the Giants last year when they thought they bought Correa, 
built a whole package around Christmas tickets and we got our guy and it didn't end up happening. But you see what happens with that. When you get your guy and you buy him, it's like the organization celebrates through the new year. It's yeah, tickets, it's short-term celebration. spring training. Like, like, I it don't, creates momentum. I don't think everybody understands that why teams want to do business here is because of how it sets you up. Yeah, I mean, the Giants are a great example of a club that comes to these meetings with, I felt like coming into these meetings, you know, I thought Farhan, who I really respect, might have more pressure on him than any um, baseball executive in the game in this offseason. A.J. Preller may feel that a little bit, too, and Brian Cashman certainly be in that category. But, you know, it's like um, the Giants have a really good team without any aircraft carriers. And so how do they? How does that model take them to the next level? It, probably in his mind he's come to the conclusion that it doesn't. But then, you know, there are only a few aircraft carriers out there, and you've got to present a case where your place is the place to go to, and if not, what's your plan P and what's your plan C? Because fans are tired of hearing, well, you know, we lost Yamamoto to whoever or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. The danger of the position he's in, you end up overpaying for a guy that's truly not an aircraft carrier. And that's the, that's the really difficult box he's in because at the end of the day, the greatest time, the greatest day you sign a free agent is the day you have the press conference, and then you've got to live with that decision forever so you've got to be very prudent about who you want to invest your money to aircraft carrier by the way you brought up that analogy and everybody's stealing your analogy know, yeah now. brian kenny thinks oh it's my his. god I'm, I, now. I mean i should have patented it you know. <laughs> he's mentioned that aircraft. is not his idea let me that tell is you yours. that clear yeah. that is yours i watched that episode yeah, that's, that's when you clear. brought that yeah, up exactly right and an aircraft carrier as you said it's a high price guy it's a star player it is. And, you know, we're going to have a draft lottery here. Um, like I say this example, like the Oakland A's last year, that was the one year. Like, you know, I texted David and I said, man, you guys stay out from underneath ladders. Um, because for me, there were three aircraft carriers in that draft. I mean, there were other good players in that draft. And I love the player A's got, but he wasn't Langford, Cruz, or Skeens. He's the next level down. And to, and to go through that season and not have a shot at any one of those three guys, Langford yeah. ended up – playing all the way up to AAA a year ago. He may be the Rangers starting left fielder this year opening day. I think Cruz is going to be in the big leagues with the Nats and Skeen's the number one starter. Like, that's the kind of – that's the other way to get aircraft carriers, and yet you need some luck in the draft. That was their year. I'm not sure next year there's any player that actually falls into that category yet. I mean, we need destroyers. We need a lot, but some aircraft carriers. Yeah, you got to start – you got to get the fleet built around. So you need the aircraft carrier, and then the, the boats come around. It. We got to get the Admiral to make it happen. Yeah. Uh, we got to let you go. Yep. I know I know you got to get, get moving. But before that, I just want to promote with your son the virtual reality. Yeah, I mean, guys. it's uh, winreality.com. Uh, we're making a tremendous difference in hitting. I mean, we now are a full-service hitting platform. It's just not about pitch recognition anymore. Uh, you hit in our system. You get immediate feedback in our system. Softball, too. Yeah, baseball, softball, too. We created an app, uh, Live Pitch, where a parent uh, that can't throw BP now can with their child on downloading the app onto their phone. They can sit there and they can sequence pitchers to their son or daughter and compete against them in the confines of their own home, wherever you got Wi-Fi. So we are making such a difference within our game. we still got a long way to go, but... You know, again, winreality.com would be a great Christmas present for everybody. No doubt about it. Any way we can help you, let us know. I appreciate it. Let let's, me get a plug in. Let's get out and sell. Let's go. Let's As do you it. said, it's Christmas time. You want to Absolutely. have softball, baseball, it works for everybody. Yeah, and if you want to get better as a hitter in every aspect of hitting, um, you need to have this. And it only takes 15, 20 minutes 
three, four times a week to become unbelievable at it. Like, uh, there's some big league players in particular. I won't get into their names. Unbelievable when they utilized our system uh, last year in the games that they used it versus the games they didn't. Dramatic difference in results. Put it this way. You want to be an aircraft carrier? Get win reality. You got to use the product. That's what I – and as you know, I tell you, it's great to have – Hall of Famers and great players get up there and tell you about baseball, but the reality is when you come on MLB Network, now we're getting the real. Yeah, you will get an honest opinion. No offense to all the guys that come on the yeah, show. We love all of them. I can't tell but you. But you want the real. This yeah, is, this you is will, the real. You will get real. I can't tell you, you know, you'll agree with everything I said, but <laughs> it'll be 100% authentic, that's for sure. It's always a pleasure. Good. Thank we you, guys. Merry Christmas to you guys. Yeah, thank you so much. Brian Kenny can show up at one o'clock here in Nashville. <laughs> if you stick around, we're not flying out till six. Fire the machine up. We're back on because my favorite show. And of course, I've told you all the years watching you on ESPN, Showtime, and everything you've done in your career uh, as a broadcaster, doing the boxing game. You know what a fan I am of your program. And, and it's funny, right now, my DVR at home, it's dominated by Dancing with the Stars. Oh. Jesus. Bachelor and MLB Now. I'm, I'm losing out. The kids have taken it over. But MLB Now, as you know, I've been the biggest fan uh, ever since you started the show. I think it's the best baseball show that we got. And it's always an honor to have you on the program. Thank you so much. Very kind words. It's it's always nice to hear you. You're always uh, very complimentary. And I'm sorry I'm killing your lunch and delaying it. Yeah, yeah, I'm telling you <laughs> sorry. right now. My day's starting now. So here we go. If you can, if we were gonna, I heard one o'clock. I will stick around Excellent. for my Thank guy. You. I'm honored. Here Let, we go. Let's promote the big show because we have actually talked about it before. When you do the hall of fame stuff for all of us who are hall of fame people. And it means, you know, my family background, Bob Elliott was my grandfather. He was the most valuable player in 1947, first wow. third baseman uh, to win the MVP. So a ton of my grandfather's stuff. He's a seven-time All-Star. A ton of my grandfather's stuff's there. So I've been down to the bowels where they bring you out in the surgical yeah. gloves. <laughs> They've got my grandfather's right. 2000s uh, hit for the bat ball. So I, I love the place. The backdrop when you guys are in the plaque room doing a show, I think in all of sports, it's far better than the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Done that, but... That backdrop that you guys were when you're in the plaque room doing the show, and you're going to be doing it on January 23rd again. Right. We have uh, Braves, right? Bob Elliott Braves. Am I getting that? Boston Braves. Boston Braves. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I didn't. If I'd known he that, was I'm the sorry, Wheaties guy in the 40s. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Big time player. Good yeah. for you. Um, we the difference that you know each year we do a little bit more from Cooperstown, mm -hmm. which is you know look if you can go you have to go if you're a fan you have to go a must I'm, for any baseball right player, I'm yeah. uh, I'm so used to it because I grew up in New York you know around New York City and so I was used to my dad driving us upstate as we call it and going to see the whole thing so I'm used to it my whole life people <clears throat> around by you if you if everybody makes anybody makes a trip uh, to the East Coast. <clears throat> it's, in it's bucolic small village upstate it's beautiful anyway we go january snow is falling every year the baseball writers have their announcement we do it we make the announcement there with josh rowich the president of the hall of fame they're live that night on the 23rd and this year we're going to have uh with jason stark jp morosi and joel sherman's going to join us so when Greg Amzinger and Harold and Tom Verducci are there on the set in Secaucus, we're going to be splitting the show. They're going to be throwing up to us all the time, and we'll be doing all our hardcore analysis because it's still a very deep ballot. I'm a big hall guy. Uh, I have, like, down-ballot favorites like <clears throat> like Jimmy Rollins. So I'm not just looking at wins above replacement. You know, I'm not. this is not a war hall of fame. It's a good basis. It's a good objective, objective methodology, which, as you know, I pushed for for decades. But now that we're there, I'm like, all right, hold on. War is the start. Let's start examining it. 
Todd Helton could get in. Billy Wagner could get in. I'm very interested to see what type of backing Joe Maurer and Chase Utley get. Yes. I think they both could be solid leading to good things eventually. I don't know if either one gets near anywhere near 75%. I don't think Chase Utley is. I would vote for him. No doubt. Easy. Uh, but it's an interesting ballot with with nice infusion of new good players. I'll tell you, for people in Northern California, Cooperstown is like a little mini Lake Tahoe. Okay. Is that a description? Yeah, it's like a not, little. Not as grand, but beautiful. The lake's right. not as yeah. big, but it's it's like a little uh, Lake Tahoe. I, you kinda... can ski, too, but the, the, the hills are like this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of back and forth because when you went to bat for Tim Raines, see, for mm. me growing up as a kid in the 80s, I, the writers got it wrong. Tim Raines was a star player. When yeah. you had the yeah. all-star game every year as an expo, Tim Raines was a star. I think the hall of fame, when I go in the plaque room, I want stars. I want star players, mm-hmm. guys that I knew when I was growing up, I knew Mike Schmidt. I knew Ricky Henderson. I knew George Brett. These guys were the stars of the game. It's like, when I hear people try and make a case for Bobby Abreu, I go, I never thought Bobby Abreu was someone. Bobby Abreu comes to San Francisco to to play the Giants. People want to go see Bobby Abreu. He's a pretty impactful player. We I don't have to it, argue that, but right. But, but he's I'll, not I'll a star. I'll throw player. in two. Look, there's a lot of ways of looking at it. I know I and I can go deep into the metrics and uh, do comparative analysis. That's what we do on the show all the yeah. time. We do Cooperstown justice. But I would just say, like my first thing, my question or my statement would be: Was he great? Like I, I keep pitching. I did that for Tim Raines and for Edgar Martinez. I go, he was. Tim go, Raines was great. He was great. Was Edgar Martinez good or was he great? And everyone's like, well, he was great. I'm like, so what, what, what's the problem? Like, did he do it long enough is the next thing. Was Don Mattingly great? Yeah, he was great. He wasn't good. He was great. That was great for four years, not great for 10 years. I agree on Mattingly. Um, so Mattingly, for me, I'd give him a vote. There's a lot of, I'm, I'm beyond, um, you know, oh, you've got to do it for 10 years. Who says? Nobody says. It just, I do want you to be like developed. the best play, like Mattingly. When 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 I was growing up, Don Manley was one of, if not the best player. Oh, he's the best player in the American League yeah. three to four years. If you're the best player in your league, I think, or ba- or best pitcher in baseball for three to four years. I don't need ten. I, I also don't want one, right? I mean, there's, there's a difference. Not Dwight Gooden, but Don Mattingly, yes. Dale Murphy, yes. yes Johan, Dale Murphy. Johan Santana, yes. So I'm a, more of a peak guy. I'm a big hall guy, and I ask, like, Billy Wagner's on the ballot now, and I ask, I always ask people, was Billy Wagner good or was he great? Oh, God, he was great. He was great. Look at this run prevention. Number two all time. Yeah. I'm 14, too. So anyway, I can do this all day, but I always ask that question. Was he good or was he great? I'm more of a peak guy now. To me, like, Chase Utley is easy for me because six years he was great. And you say, was he good? Was he great? Was he a winning ball player? No, all doubt. those things like it's yeah. uh, it's obvious, and, we, and he's still fresh in our minds. It's so I always ask people, well, what are you thinking then? Like, st- you know, sometimes get your head out of baseball reference. You know, wh- what did you see? What do you think? And now back it up. If the stats aren't there, one thing. Now, like Bobby Abreu is another case where maybe he's a little more nuanced. Mike Messina was a little more nuanced, right? You have to dig up a little, you know, get under the surface a little bit and look and see, do the, you know the comparative analysis as to what was his. Uh, run scoring environment. Uh, did he do things that were a little more subtle? Uh, Abreu wasn't like a home run hitter, but he walked a ton. His on base was savage. Walked he had power. Yeah. He wasn't a great defender. Um, he doesn't 
for me, like you're saying, are you voting for Bobby Abreu or not? I, I would say no, right? But, great career, but though. But I don't want to get up. But I'm a great career. But I'm listening. You know, that's yeah. all. It's a, it's a fine line. I also like to keep it. You have to keep it exclusive. You can't just say, yeah, this guy's a whole. I, everyone, you know, accused Mad Dog accuses me of like I'm gonna let Mad. everybody in. I'm like, not true. You need to keep it exclusive. <laughs> but I am more of a big hall guy to get to get more people in. I just don't want because I love the Hall of Fame so much. I've been there three times. I just don't want to get to a point what we're seeing in the NFL now. Now, where the great players are going, hey, there's a di- real big difference between us and everybody else. I, I don't want to see that. And there's nothing wrong with telling someone they had a great career. You just don't belong to have a plaque in there. You can right. still have a great yeah. career, make a lot of money, have a great, but you're not, it's, there's a big difference. By the way, I love a great host always rides different waves. And that's something that I've always loved about you on MLB now because. You could be staunch on certain things. Then you say, oh, I'm kind of changing. You you sense the flow, and it's good because it also depends on who the guests are. I, I like yeah. how you – Thank I, you. I go, you, you. You get it. You work the room. <laughs> you got to work the room, right. baby. Well, thank you. By the way, you get it, right? You you get it. And I hear people say that. If people watch the show now, we really have evolved from because now the industry is speaking our language. Correct. We're speaking the industry's language. So we don't have to fight about, do you know how valuable walks are? You know how valuable it is to work in the account? Yeah, we know. But we were fighting those fights 20 years ago. Now we've swung to an area where every single day on MLB Now this year in the season, we did a thing called baseball-y plays of yeah. the day or un-baseball-y plays of the day uh, because I maintain that where is the game being won and lost? And look what happened this year to teams like the Mets and the Padres, let alone the Cardinals and the White Sox. It's like, why did teams that have a lot of talent kind of fall apart or underperform? And I think it's a lot of things that are just into the mix on the physical field. And it's kind of team coordinated defense, desire on offense, on the base paths. So we started doing things like, hey, missed relay. The guy got to second, so he wasn't on first. Later, ground ball, then fly ball, he scored. He shouldn't have scored. He should have been on first. But you missed the cutoff. Now he's on second. So all these little, what I call, baseball-y things, because I used to say, I hate to get all baseball-y on you, but yeah. let's get baseball Yeah, baseball men, grunt, grunt, grunt. But yeah, fundamentals make a big difference in the team's I found, you'll like this, the same guys and the same teams were making it either on baseball-y plays or un-baseball-y plays. Padre, uh, Hassan Kim of the Padres was making baseball-y plays every day, every week. His team was missing cutoff men every day, every week. The White Sox are making un-baseball-y plays all the time. If my producer said to me, Zach Neto of the Angels had a play last night, I didn't even have to ask if it was baseball-y or un-baseball. Yeah. It was baseball-y. He's a baseball-y guy. He's a rookie shortstop for the Angels. Yeah. But he's so heads-up that it was like, yeah, heads-up guys make heads-up plays. By the way, that leads to winning baseball. So I think you have to evolve uh, with the times and the culture and hey, where is it out? Where is what is Moneyball? What is Sabermetrics? It's finding the difference between perception and reality, exploiting that. What's the competitive advantage? Um, what where is everybody zinging? It's time to zag. That's what it's all about. And the showdown, a good addition to the show. Was you that, like that your idea? Yeah, that was. A, they wanted a little more debate. Yeah. Um, so I we like have it. a showdown. And sometimes I, my producers complain that I agree with people too much, but like I don't want to get out there and bark at 
people. Just you don't to bark always want to be the guy who's doing. Yeah, this. no, it's like too much. I know one time like, at the end of one of them, we have Hannah Kaiser on yeah. uh, on the show all the time. She's great, and we at the end of it, she goes, she you know, we go to break. I said, oh, thank you, Hannah. We go to break, and it, we, you know, we stop down. And we're about to go back to the set, and she goes, I think I won that one. I go, <laughs> I go. You realize we're not winning and losing, but to her, it was like, no. She goes, yeah. we're winning and losing, and I and I and she goes. I said, well, what makes you think you, I'm competitive too. I said, what makes you think you won? And she said, uh, well, you agreed with my points. I said, but that's a sign of my flexible mind that you made good points and I changed my view. Doesn't that mean I'm the winner? (laughs) So there's, I, I, if I hear a good point, I don't want to fight it just to fight it. So a lot of times I'm glad you see that, that I'll say, okay, that's a good point. You know, maybe. And I, I like, you know, Mad Dog actually does that, too. There are times where I'm hammering on something historic and he goes, yeah, it's a valid point. I probably blew that one. When someone says that, you go, oh, OK, like, we can stop yelling at each other. Then as long as we're thinking and we're changing, you know, let's do it. When we bring Mad Dog on our fans, because, you know, he he rips Oakland and then our fans go nuts. And I go, you got to listen. I, I've been in terrestrial radio for basically my entire career. And he is in the Radio Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. He is a really big deal. But. And I want to get to this because it's a big part of the meetings right now. It's the reason why we created Ace Cast and we started audio. Now we have video and why I, I, I haven't totally left terrestrial radio because I still do all the stuff for our games. But this is why we create what you're seeing with the RSNs, what you're seeing with terrestrial radio stations, AM specifically, they're dying. The new wave of how we reach our audience. I can watch MLB now right here. Mm-hmm. I mean, how you get to your audience now. This is why we created this, and it's kind of sad, but we know it's coming, and why we're seeing a lot of freeze here. I just want your take on it, because we're not sure teams are either losing their RSN money, they don't know what it's going to be like at the end of this month with the bankruptcy and Diamond Sports and Bally's, and there's teams who are just, they're terrified of what's going to happen with the cable cash. Look, it, it could be. I think more so than that. I don't think teams are afraid to spend. I think this is a difficult class to make assessments on, to find a true valuation on players. Uh, my, my word for the, the free agent market is mercurial. Yes, because it is. I, right, I'm mercurial because I want to be kind. And say, you give this, the this, definition this, of right, it. Oh, you see it. Oh, good. Uh, mercurial. Like, you know, my, my word of my word of the summer was malaise. Like a teacher, uh, you, right, you right. give your word malaise. of the day. Yes. I, I just want to specifically. The teams thing. of malaise. But you, know, but, you know, it's like, I don't want to say this guy was great, but this year he stinks. So he's great. And the two years before, he stunk. Um, but I can say Cody Bellinger, he's been mercurial. Right. But that means his ceiling is sky high. His He was the best player in the National League for one year, and then he was lost for, like, you know, two full years lost. One year mediocre. Last year, good but not great. So what do you pay that guy? So I think everybody that goes out in the market and their agents have this feeling of, my guy's going to get a $300 million contract. And, uh, again, I see it from a GM's point of view. You have to be physically responsible, and that doesn't mean being cheap. That means I have to be concerned with players 19 through 26 on my roster. I want to get more money for them. I'll have a better team if those guys are paid and good. I'm not as worried about number one. So when it comes to Blake Snell, like what do you pay Blake Snell? Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, which guy are you getting? You know, even Josh Hader is down to like 50 innings a year, 50-something innings a year. So he's great. I'm not saying he's good. He's great. He's all-time. He's fifth in a park-adjusted ERA in the last 30 years. And that's Rivera and Papelbon and Kimbrell ahead of him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So he's truly great. At the same time, like, okay, what are you going to pay that guy? Uh, If you're paying him, that's other people you're not paying. I think that's more of it. 
Uh, there might be other things. Look, the Padres made their huge push. Peter Seidler has passed away. So now that push has to, you know, come back a little bit. Uh, they, they've never been playing in the top three in payroll. So they have to get back. And the Mets, I think, are also trying to figure out which direction are we in. They have some nice young players. They, they should also be, you know, if David Stearns, I think, is going to do it the way he wants to do it. It's like, hey, take your foot off the accelerator for a little bit. And it leads to greater health. So I just think it's a lot of that. Teams would be willing to spend, but I mean, this, the Otani thing, like the numbers have got have, are so high, all time high. I think everybody just is kind of backing away and saying, "Look, as you know, there's only so many aircraft carriers you can Air- have. You know, you're if you have if your port is stacked with aircraft carriers, you have very little flexibility and maneuverability. I'll continue the analogy. Your, your Navy's yeah. got to have some destroyers, <laughs> right. some yeah. subs, yeah. amphibious landing, you know, <laughs> things you need, you know, landing craft. Uh, you need the Marines there. You need you need small arms. You need large arms. You can't just have, hey, look, we had all this money. We've got five aircraft carriers. They're all sitting there and big-time players, like if an aircraft carrier is Juan Soto. Uh, eventually he's going to be playing like John Carlos Stan. It's going to take a few years, but he's going to get there. Everybody gets bigger, heavier, slower. And now that guy's under contract, sucking up huge amounts of your money. And that guy is rusted out. And you have all these rusted out aircraft carriers sitting in your port. And suddenly you have no maneuverability. You, your opportunity cost is what's really getting you because you couldn't get that first baseman. You couldn't promote this guy because that guy's sitting there making big money and you're praying that he starts to earn it. So I think, GMs now look all 30 are smart. It's not, you know, not that long ago, there was like 22 were smart. There were 10 were smart then 25 were smart, but there were still some others that were like, spend, spend, get stars. We need stars. What you need to do is have a winning baseball team and then people will flock to see you. And that's sustainable. So I think most GMs now are looking at this and there's a little sticker shock. And I understand why. Let's end on this. And I go back. So for years, I worked in the NFL. I worked for the Raiders. I'll use my football and take some football and bring it into baseball. How much for you in boxing? I mean, we all remember Floyd Mayweather Jr., one of the greatest back and forth on television. <laughs> boxing is an in-your-face coverage. Baseball, usually it's kind of like, you know, Al Leiter. And, you know. How, <laughs> how, much, how much have you used your boxing and you bring that into baseball kind of the way I've done with football. You kind of bring that in to kind of mix it up and, and it gives variety in a different, different style sometimes right. in coverage. I, I find it. Uh, I don't know what the crossover is, but I feel it uh, again. I I'm probably come off on the air as a bit pugnacious. Uh, so perhaps that's part of my personality. I used to box. I used to box the Catskill boxing club in the eighties way back. You're not when. afraid to bring so, it. Right. Baseball's so, not used so to So you that. have to be a little more confrontational. Um, but look, uh, it does uh, help you understand, like in baseball, I saw that it, look, there's a definite, uh, correlation between the data and the physical action on the field, right? At the same time, and even Bill James will say this, there's a lot that the data does not capture. Uh, it's a complicated, messy world. Uh, and boxing for me was always like there, you know, everyone's into punch stats and do this. I'm like, get away from the data, smell the fight. You know, it's 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 the the fight is there's more there's more to the dynamic than looking for punch stats and how many punches you threw. There's certain things work rate that are valuable, but I was never the numbers guy with boxing. I don't know if you notice, like other play by play guys will will give you the comp stat numbers. I'll do it if it's like, hey, he normally throws 26 jabs around. He threw 40 last night. Like, all right, that that's something that's work rate that's different. But other than that, I'm like, no, 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 get get your head out of the books and and, and watch, watch the fight. The fight yeah. yeah, baseball. There's such a data 
set and the sample gets so large that there is greater understanding through it. But you do also have to realize, again, as, as I'm trying to you know evolve that, hey, um, what happened to the Padres? What happened to the Mets exactly? When especially the Padres in particular, like had good numbers. You know what I'm saying? Team starter ERA was quite good. I think it was number one in the league for a while. Relief pitcher ERA is good. Their offense was pretty good. They had good defenders. They're like, so what's wrong? They're not weak in any area. There's nothing wrong. But something's wrong. <laughs> so that's always <laughs> the record. Right. That, right that, there's, so, there's something not happening. So, yeah, I kind of like look to that. Like, don't uh, I'm always looking for evidence. Frequently, it's the data. Often, it's something else. He's the best. He's my favorite on MLB Network. We we were like, hey, stick around for him. I, of course, we're going to stick around. MLB Now, <laughs> it's the best baseball show. There's no comparison. And remember, January 23rd, 23rd Baseball Hall of yep. Fame. When you're doing the show and you're doing the hits from the plaque room, it, it's second time. Oh, you're very kind. Thank you so much. I always love coming on. Your Merry show, Chris. Christmas. Thank you happy much. holidays. To you too. And we'll talk Get to some you in lunch. the new year. Get this guy some eggnog. Get out. He's uh, Can we go? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. How are you in the morning show at MLB uh, Network good, going? Good, man. It's, um, you know, we're early in this process, obviously, so no one is quite sure if Otani's going to sign here or if we're going to get home and then it's going to happen a week from now. Um, there seem to be a lot of people who feel like it could happen here. Yeah. And I've never been in the prediction game when, when it comes to contractual arrangements or trades. But, you know, last night that Kelnick deal got everything off to a pretty interesting start. That's a big deal. And when you get a guy like Marco Gonzalez involved as a throw-in, who's been a fixture in a rotation for the better part of five, six years, and Kelnick, who's always been this uh, world-class talent that's never had the canvas to do his thing over 162 and now he's going to be in a timeshare and a very good team's outfield. It's fascinating trade. So maybe there's more of that happening today. And clearing the room. I mean, obviously you got to clear the room, right? You got to figure out how are you financially going to make this happen. But I've been saying, you know, the way we need to look at Shohei Otani because we've been living it, right? He made his debut against us. We know the people with the Angels. You've been around the Angels. You know what a cash cow he is. I like. I've been comparing it to like Tom Cruise. You put Tom Cruise in the movie, you make money. There's a reason why they keep making Mission Impossibles. They make Top Gun 2. He's on the team. The return on investment That's is there. That's You're a gonna, really good call. When Otani plays against the A's, you look in the background, there's the Japanese advertising. Yeah. Everybody. So not only whoever signs him makes money off of him, we, the opposing teams, make money off of him. It's true. 
It's true. The the lines at uh, Angel Stadium in and out of their main concession store last year for a team that was not playing for anything after about August 15th were wrapped around because it's one of those old, we know from the yeah. Coliseum days, it's one of those old uh, concrete monoliths where, you know, the concrete wrap goes all the way around. Yeah. That's how you get from level to level. Up the ramp, around the corner, up the next ramp, around the corner, just to get into the souvenir store to have access to buying the, the Otani swag. Fans were showing up with empty suitcases to fill them with Otani items and then take them home. It was an, it's an amazing draw. There's nothing that I've ever seen like it in baseball. Fellow San Jose State Spartan baseball player Mark Langston on this program told us about the family that showed up and in two days spent over a hundred grand in an Otani merch. Two days, a hundred grand. Two days, a hundred grand. Bitcoin money. That's just what like, I say. I think it's gotta be. It's like you gotta understand this guy. It's like whether he, no matter what he does, he makes you money. Yeah. So it's like, what is the right team? What is the right fit? I I have thought, I said it, I still kind of think it. The minute he got hurt, kind of brought the Angels back into play. Mm. He knows mm-hmm. the staff. They know him. He knows the medical staff. They're going to have the kid gloves. He won't be rushed back in any way. Because it's going to be hard not to rush. If you give somebody $500 million, it's it's going to be tough not to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear what you're saying, and I felt the same way at the time, too. But. Uh, upon second thought, is I, it crazy to think that? I, I, I don't think there's a discount coming. If that's what the thought was, that no, maybe... no, no. I think that you'll pay full price. Kay. I just think this is where he's comfortable. Living in Orange County doesn't suck, right? You know, it'd right. Be, if he was 100% healthy as a pitcher and a player, I think no chance. But now I think there is a chance. It might have brought the market back to the Angels a little bit, but I've gone back and forth on how I feel about where he's going to land. Because at first I was staunch in my assertion that geography mattered that it was going to be a west coast team he had just bought a uh, enormous compound in hawaii so he wants to be halfway between home in japan and wherever his baseball home is in the states he's not a big market guy he doesn't need new york like reggie jackson did um and i think the creature comforts on the west on the west coast are going to be the same in a place like san diego anaheim la even san francisco as they would anywhere else in that group, and I thought that mattered for him. The rhetoric we hear from his camp, because they're trying to make a market for all 30 teams, they're trying to <laughs> bring everybody involved, is that geography doesn't matter and that the Cubs are in play and that the Mets are in play. Maybe there's some truth there. The, the two teams that I would buy more in that argument are Atlanta and Tor- Toronto. And Toronto, the uh, their, their beat writer um, on MLB.com put a – uh, something out on X today that said they're very much involved in this. They have a seat at the adult table in the Otani sweepstakes. Atlanta is so lean, and they're getting such great value on deals they have for Acuna and Albies, among others, that they actually can do it too. Not to mention they own the entire zip code around the ballpark, including the theater and the restaurants and everything else that people spend their money doing after a Braves game. Those two teams are interesting to me. Beyond that, I'll stay with my original assertion that it's the four West Coast California teams that are the most interesting here. Who would be the biggest shocker? To me, like, I just don't see Chicago. Oakland A's? You know, I don't. I, he tore us up. He loves sitting in that ballpark. Why wouldn't he want to play there? Uh, 
The biggest shocker among the teams that are really being talked like about legit. here. Yeah. Um, boy, I'd say the Red Sox would be a shocker just because of the impact he would have on that franchise. And I haven't heard a lot of smoke about the Red Sox being involved here. But there's a you know there's there's a new brain trust leading the way there, and maybe that's the way they're going to be. They're not going to be among the more public teams. Look, the agents and the executives, the executives. I shouldn't say the agents. The agents love this forum. I don't think anybody that runs a team as a general manager or a president of baseball operations likes the idea that they have to walk through a lobby and encounter guys like you and I asking them questions. Yeah. They prefer doing it in private. That's why. It's not like it was 30 years ago where the GMs and the managers were all hammered in the hotel bar every night. They're in their room conducting business privately. There was a time not too long ago where guys were unafraid to tip them back, and they're sitting at the hotel bar, and they're ha-ha-hee-hee and all that stuff. Now you get, you know, you walk by with your cell phone, and there's some, uh, you know, you got a bunch of empties on the bar, and, you know, guys got not a, a good look. lampshade over his head. <laughs> not, not a great look. Right, right. I saw Brian Sabian, old Sabie Sabes last night in the bar. I was okay. like, hey, how you doing, Brian? But, it's, yeah. It was much more fun. Let's put it that way. I miss those days. Well, I and I think about how he is such a big investment, it's paralyzing because you can't really do anything until you, you know. So now it like, goes because I'm still want to talk to you about Soto, like, like, like Juan yeah. Soto. I mean, this is a guy. Do you do do you want to give up something for him now? Do you want to wait and just bid for him? I mean, but he's obviously at his age. You're buying his prime. Right, right. Um, Mike Petriello did a really interesting article on MLB.com a couple of weeks ago, trying to find similar cases on the free agent market as to Soto, a player who's in the same age of his career player who had accomplished what he had with the same ability, the same upside, who is is likely to be dealt with one year left on an existing trade and then re-signed someplace for huge money. And the best comp he came up with, and I do like this one, was Lindor. Right, He had one year of canvas left on his Indians deal. Uh, they trade him, uh, and at, at the time we all think that the deal stunk. We all think that what Cleveland got wasn't very good. It was pretty good. And then the Mets, because they're the Mets and they have the large East financially that not many teams do, they were able to make him that huge princely offer and keep him there forever. That's probably what's going to happen with Soto. The acquiring team is going to be a big market, big money team. They'll be able to give him that big deal. They'll get it done before the season ends. And I think, I mean, my personal guess is that it's going to be the Yankees. I mean, the need is is striking no for doubt. him there. His skill set plays with the short porch and left, like a left-handed power hitter. The, the Yankees have not had a left-handed power hitter for the last few years. How can that happen? Your ballpark is screaming for it. So I think I think the Yankees make sense. I know that the those franchises have traded names and that the discussions have been ramped up here a little bit recently. Maybe that's where he ends up, and that's one of the few teams that can play on that field anyway. And the thing that, you know, we're looking at every single team's going to talk to you they need, and I know Dan O'Dowd was talking about this recently, just like, we got to find some guys who can throw some innings. Mm-hmm. I, I I love that you throw 100 miles an hour, but I know you're going to blow out. That's the guys next to us. The Cardinals have done yeah, that. Dude, find me some guys. Yeah, if you're going to sign Lynn, you're going to get the I, – I, just get – we need somebody – like the A's, we're down here. We need innings. Yeah, you got to get four thousand three hundred and seventy-four outs. That doesn't count extra innings. That's, oh, that's a lot. A good number. That's a lot of outs. 
you got to find guys, and that's the thing. This bullpen thing was a disaster yeah. in San Francisco. I mean, there's so many. All these teams, like once the big names go, teams got to find. Do we have enough human beings to throw all these innings? We're not training them to do it. Well, I mean, for context, you make a really good point. There's only one team now that has four pitchers on the roster that each went 180 or more innings, and that's the Cardinals because they just went out and got them. Yeah. So they prioritized that kind of uh, workload pitcher in a rotation. Um, the top of the rotation guy they got is Sonny Gray, and then they got just guys that are going to get outs and take the ball every five days. It's a lost art, to your point. I mean, the landscape is littered with uh, all these great brains in baseball that think you can put together a seven-pitcher, 27-out game. And it's hard to do because if one or two guys vomits on themselves, you're done. Look at Game 4 of the World Series of Diamondbacks. Like, they knew they were up against it. Game 4 of the National League Division Series, the Diamondbacks, they actually survived it and beat the Phillies that day somehow. It wasn't going to happen again. And in Game 4 of the World Series, it caught up with them. So your point's well taken. There's a premium on guys that are going to get you into the sixth inning. They're harder to find than ever before, and maybe we get back to that uh, as an industry. All right, if I have to bet who's going to be on your guys' show, I know you keep the tracker. Harold Reynolds has no chance. You and Lauren, who's, yeah. who am I betting on that's going to – because you guys keep the tracker going. Yeah. Who, 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 who do I bet on that's going to have the most appearances? I will tell you with confidence that I will take the title again this year. Shahadi takes two weeks off every two weeks. So she's two weeks on, two weeks off. Uh, she's like a nurse? <laughs> yep. Harold is, if there's a shiny watch in the back of the room, he has something else to do. Yeah. So his attention is span is short. Especially do you ever say, Harold, they don't have celebrity golf tournaments in December. What are you doing? <laughs> they, they don't have that. He doesn't even play golf and he goes to celebrity <laughs> golf tournaments. That's the, that's the thing that burns me. Yeah, so I'm, you know, I'm there making the sauce every morning, and uh, yeah. we'll see how it goes. We're watching. Thanks. We're watching. Thanks. We get. It's fun when we have guests. Like this is why this is fun. Like we get guys yeah. that come on with us. Logan O'Hoppy, the Angels catcher who lives in the Northeast, is actually coming to the studio Friday morning to be on Hot Stove. We had Kyle Schwarber come in once about five years ago, and nobody's ever forgotten it because it was so funny to see him in our little tiny space. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll be doing it regardless. Hey, we always appreciate it. Good seeing you guys. And you know you this it. fan base absolutely loves you. Go A's. It's uh, tough sledding, man. But, um, gosh, you know, do you guys play Immaculate Grid, by the way? Of course. So whenever there's an A's line, it's just the best thing about my day. It's the best thing about my day. When you go like A's Giants and I can put in Bob Ochinko or whatever, <laughs> uh, A's Indians, and I can hit you with Miguel Delonay, it makes me feel so good about my life as an A's fan. Our former guest was one of those, both of them. Uh, Dan Who? Otero could have been in both of those. Oh, yeah, very good. Yeah, Dan Otero. Real good. We still tell the Shooty Babbitt story. Because, you know, I play golf with Shooty a lot. I mean, he... And when he came and found you, we still we still bring up the... He, when you were broadcasting. He never believed me, man. I went to school with a Shooty Babbitt baseball card in my Velcro wallet. And when he learned that, he thought I was lying. I'm like, no, dude. And my best friend had a Mike Heath card in his Velcro wallet. We loved those teams. Those Billy Ball teams, that's how you cut your teeth. If you're 12 years old and you're that's your favorite team, it doesn't matter if they're good or not. That sticks with you for your life forever. No cell phone, Velcro, Velcro wallet, and we survived. <sighs> yes, we did. We're and better we for survived. it. We survived. <laughs> Always appreciate it. Good seeing you guys.
It was great to see these three in Nashville at the winter meetings. We want to thank Dan O'Dowd, Brian Kenny, and Matt Vaskersian for stopping by and talking with us on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast, powered by iHeartRadio. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 